Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz is on the phone lines with me, as always. We are writers first, so check out our stories at themichiganinsider.com and 247sports.com slash Michigan. So the Wolverines, this is a football show, uh, we might get basketball in the coming weeks, perhaps, well, definitely during football's bye week, but but perhaps even sooner we're starting to get some availability here from them. But this is a football show talking Michigan Northwestern, which is coming up. Michigan, we actually got a recruiting question about the five stars, so stay tuned around the middle of the show. We'll do a breakdown of that. But before we get there, talking Michigan-Nebraska, and and Steve, you'll, you can join in, in in just a moment, but it, it seemed like that was... Because they, they, I'm thinking like their recent blowouts. They blew out Western Michigan 49 to three. They uh, blew out SMU by 25 points, 45 to 20. And then you have to go actually back a, a whole year before there was similar blowouts. But you know, I'm thinking like Maryland 59 three, Rutgers 78 nothing. I guess we'll see what Nebraska has coming. But that was a, in my opinion, that was a statement win for Michigan. In that, in kind of the way they won too, they just out physicaled a team that I would assume, given that it's Scott Frost, prides itself on being physical. Uh, I mean, there was that story that they gave up after the first series. I don't know if that's totally true, but like if you go back and watch the game, Michigan really took away their any any sort of aspirations Nebraska had were eradicated. You know, uh, early interception. Ben Mason pummeling it into the end zone. Then Nebraska, I think they had like a kind of a, unfor- you know, they thought they had something, but they they had another three and out. And then Karan Higdon runs 44 yards and like five minutes into the game, Michigan's up 14 nothing. Uh, just proceeded to a 56 to 10 route that could have honestly been 76 to three or 76 to nothing. So, Steve, I guess general impressions. I I think it was definitely a statement win. Certainly. I don't know if I'm changing their my projected record for them, but it certainly felt like Michigan was a top 15 team in this game, and, and in my opinion, perhaps more so than they did the first couple weeks. Uh, I guess your general impressions of Michigan's obliteration of Nebraska. Yeah, I actually think I'm, I'm with you. Um, people always want to try to paint things into one corner, uh, the the answer can be both that Nebraska is not a good team, but that Michigan played really, really well. Yeah. I think that's kind of the case here. You know, it's like, it's always either, Oh, Nebraska just stinks or, you know, like, and, and yeah, I don't, you know, I don't think they're very good, especially up front. Uh, the offensive line I think was obliterated consistently as we kind of expected to, <laughs> but, but, you know, even maybe even maybe even a little more than we thought. I mean, if Gary had played the whole game, you know, it'd been interesting to see what kind of stats he'd have put up. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I think it was a again, they didn't do this last year. No, at all. no, they didn't. Uh, they didn't pull away like that. Yeah, right. And, um, you know, seeing, you know, I see SMU beat Navy uh, makes you feel maybe even a little bit better about that game, given Michigan won by 25. Um, so you know, this team is starting to remind me more and more of the 16 team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we'll see again, the, 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 the true tests await. We hear that every day, every hour, <laughs> every minute from people that don't want to give this team any credit for anything they've done so far. But, 
um, yeah, I was impressed on both sides of the ball. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, yeah. Nebraska, there were weird. You know, I, I saw a couple of the, uh, you know, a couple people that break down some film and stuff on whether it be on Twitter or on the site or whatever. You know, there were some like kind of really just head scratching plays there were. Nebraska defensively. You know, where like guys didn't even look like they knew what they were doing out there. Um, but either way, at the same time, you know, I I think you could. Strictly from an assignment perspective, I think you could really start to see the offensive line take some legitimate steps. Again, not a guarantee about you know the the bigger games on the schedule, but at least from a assignment perspective, it looks like guys are in the right spots and that they're moving some people. And so, uh, you know, I definitely think there's more room to be optimistic in there. You know, especially given. You know, I mean, Wisconsin almost lost again. Um, well, that would have been a fair loss. I know. I, at I Iowa, disagree, but I don't yeah. disagree. That was actually a, actually turned out to be kind of an impressive win for them. Actually, mm-hmm. but I agree. Um, but you know, I think we'll learn a lot more about Penn State and Ohio State this weekend. And and again, we know Michigan State could they could be zero and seven, and they're going to play their best game of the year against Michigan. So <laughs> I don't know if it really matters what Michigan State has done too much. So. Um, so yeah, but I do feel like there's more optimism given what we've seen out of Michigan and what we've seen out of those big time opponents. Uh, you know, to yeah, to feel, feel a little bit better about their chances in the conference. Well, I think, and and I wrote a column-ish story about this last night. You know, it really seems like the team found itself a little bit more. I, I don't love that phrase because it's so it's probably overused, but. You know, they outscored these three teams 150 to 33, and include and they only gave up one touchdown in the first half, you know, so they, they entered halftime with pretty sizable cushions every single time. They were averaging like seven and a half yards per play, and I think there's something to be said for doing it in different ways. Against SMU, it was kind of like the Shea Patterson, Donovan, Peoples Jones game, you know, and and on against Nebraska, it was the Karan Higdon, and then Ben Mason comes in, right. and I, I really like that move, having him uh-huh. at halfback. I mean, if he's going to run that hard and accelerate that quickly, you know, I I know Harbaugh was kind of tongue-in-cheek when he was like inertia, you know, it's just hard to stop him. But there is some truth to it, you know. Right. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if that one safety on Nebraska was trying to avoid tackling Ben Mason on touchdown number three or if he just really did go into the wrong spot. But I mean, it is something like you know, if you're two hundred, if you're a two hundred pound linebacker, you know, and you've got a two hundred fifty eight pound guy, literally nicknamed after a, a weight exercise, you know, barreling down, it's like you know, do you really want to get in the way of that, or do you are you just gonna kind of do your do your due diligence so that you don't get yelled at in the film room? So so you know, I really like him at halfback. I I obviously Higdon is. I mean, he had 25 carries and uh, 325 yards in the in in the last two games that he's played. So obviously he's doing something right. And so so yeah, I thought you know the offense to me looked very very uh, complete. You know it's not a finished product, and they still have concerns at tackle. And I still think that they're waiting on you know some players who were productive last year: Sean McCune, Chris Evans. You know, even 
even in the receiving game. You know, I still think they're waiting on everybody, but it seems like they're able to score in a lot of different ways. And, you know, I think Chase Winovich said it pretty well on Saturday. You know, they asked uh, what he felt about the team, and he said something along the lines of they're on track for something special. And then a couple seconds later, someone asked about how much does the offense help with that, and he's like, well, that's why I'm not saying we're doing pretty well. That's why I'm saying we're on track for something special because this offense can kind of complete what the defense historically has done. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I, I don't know where this offense will end up ranking, but they did not score 40 points a game last year. They did not surpass 36 points in a game last year, and they've scored 50 points a game the last three weeks. So, I don't know. I mean, how much how much of the offense in your eyes is kind of how much can you apply to a to a tougher team from what you've seen? Because it seems like they have like the night the the dynamicism to you know score more points, more than ten points against Wisconsin, score more than ten points against Michigan State, score more than thirteen against Penn State. Wow, they really didn't do much last year, huh? Um, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but how much do you think can be applied to? maybe the expectations for what they can do in those in those three games? I mean, you look at the two questions, well, maybe there are three that were needed to, needed to be answered up front, quarterback, and the receivers. And, I, I, again, I don't really think there's much doubt that they've made some major improvements at all three of those spots, right? I mean, it, it'd be kind of hard to – say that you wouldn't expect them to perform better in those games. Again, I mean, that, that you know, tough defenses still, they could theoretically be much better, but still struggle to score points, you know, much like, you know, Wisconsin brings back a bunch of guys, right, on the offensive side of the ball. And, and so you would theoretically assume that they've, despite their loss, have gotten better, um, but they might not, you know, might not score against Michigan's defense, if you understand yeah. where I'm going with that. Right. But – um, so to me, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. You know, I, I think the expectations should be raised, especially because of what they have at quarterback. Um, that's always going to give you a chance in big games is high level quarterback play. And I think Patterson's proven that he's capable of doing that. I mean, I really had thought he played fine against, he made the one bad throw against Notre Dame. Otherwise I thought he played okay. I think the biggest issue in that game was up front. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, and and he's been lights out the last three weeks, and he's had time, you know. So, you know, does it? Are we basically talking ourselves into talking about the offensive line again? Because that's kind of where it feels like it's going. But no, we didn't get any questions, so we can. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but but again, I think that's where it's all going to start. I mean, yeah. it, you know, like we talked about last week, where um, wanting to people still, they need to throw the ball more. And, you know, it's like, no, I don't really think so. You know, because the running game is going to open everything else up for them. And, and I feel like they're still trying to, I don't want to say work on the basics because that makes it sound like they're a long ways away, but I think that they're just trying to refine the basics as much as they can. Um, and like I posted on the board, the other thing too is, I, you know, the receivers in the running game, that's a really big part of it. And you saw the difference, you know, on people's Jones with the block that sprung mm-hmm. Higgins touchdown versus Oliver Martin's holding call 
negating like a 70 yard touchdown run from McCaffrey. <laughs> You know, and so like there's those little things like that where it's like, you know, Michigan becoming a high quality team running the football is not 100% dependent on what the five guys on the offensive line do. Uh, you need the tight ends involved because Michigan's always going to have tight ends out there and your receivers. And so I think a lot of it of their uh, in these three games, and I don't, know, I don't know if Northwestern probably amped up the challenge a little bit over the last three weeks, but we'll see. Uh, but I think that, you know, the, the reason that they keep sticking to the ground is because I think they want to refine, you know, again, not just the guys up front, but the guys on the outside, you know, and then to get everybody on the same page and, and to where once the bulk of the schedule hits, those guys are all ready, not just part of the team and not mm-hmm. just because what are the target, what are the target reception numbers? has got to be still really high. Right. And that's so why you feel like they feel comfortable with what they have at throwing the ball at quarterback and catching the ball at receiver and tight end right now. I mean, that's my, that's what I think. Yeah. I know, you know. Yeah. I think, I think they're comfortable with it. I would be interested to see because we saw last year, you know, they, they would run for, I don't know, 300 yards against Minnesota, 250 yards against Maryland, a whole bunch of yards against Cincinnati and air force and, and then, you know, those kind of teams. And then they would play Michigan State, Wisconsin, Ohio State. I don't think Penn State did it quite as much. And they would stack the box and basically say, you're not going to run by us. So I agree with you. Getting used to different kinds of run sets and different kind of plays. And, you know, because I think that was that that might have been a trap tw- the 2016 team fell into is like, you know, there were a few plays that worked and they wanted to keep it simple. Well, then suddenly when they had to work on other things, you know, there were mistakes that were made and, and stuff like that. So I'm with you. I wouldn't I, – I still think that they could probably work on the passing game a little bit more because that's probably their difference maker. If they go up against Michigan State and it's like a, you know, neutral game, you know, Mich- Michigan State has Brian Lewerke, but, you know, Shea Patterson at his best and Donovan Peoples-Jones at his best. I think you you could see where that could pass or kind of – help them elevate past the Spartans or, or I don't know exactly. Sure. I don't know what to make of Wisconsin, but I assume that's going to be another game where it's like if Michigan's able to complete a couple 20 yard passes to open everything up and throw the defense on its heels, uh, you know, that, that could be a difference maker. So I could see working on it more. I know what you mean. Like they obviously are comfortable with Donovan Peoples Jones and Shea Patterson feels comfortable in the offense. Uh, but I, I don't know. I guess we'll see this weekend if they if they want to keep airing it out or if they're or if they're okay uh, having Wait, a different you, approach. Are you on the pass to set up the run train? No, because that doesn't really make a lot of sense, does it? I don't know. I mean, do you <laughs> again? Like that's not a thing I would do this Saturday. Yeah. Right. You know, if I guess if they want to reverse course and try it, you know, I don't. I don't know. I think but. if I were calling the plays, I'd be shooting for fifty fifty. Because then you know what you have, too. You know you know what's going to work for the passing offense if you need, I don't know, say you're down 24-17 and you have four minutes to, to make a comeback drive. You know which plays are kind of your bread-and-butter plays. and Or say say it's a tie game, you know, and you're trying to put, up, put yourself ahead, get a field goal or something before halftime. You know, you're not like, oh, this play didn't work. Someone ran the wrong route incompletion let's just give it to Higdon two times and and 
you know, enter the break. You know, I, I don't know. I don't, th- I don't, I don't quite understand the concept of passing to set up the run. I do think it would behoove them to pass more, but at the same time, you know, if, if they feel, I don't know what it's like in practice, you know, Shea Patterson, maybe he's, he really is like, you know, ready to unleash a 300 yard game against, against an Ohio state or something like that. Maybe he is. I, so I don't know, but they also have outscored opponents 150 to 33. Uh, one on the other side of the ball, I felt like that was Michigan's best defensive game in in quite some time. I don't know. I I'd have to think back a little bit harder on the 2016 season. Obviously, that was a pretty elite unit, but I mean, just the way they gave up one 32-yard pass in again on Stanley Morgan Jr. He got it in the on the first drive on a third down, and then they held Nebraska to negative 15 yards the rest of the half. And that was like 24, 25 plays. I mean, it's just just surreal. They had seven tackles for loss on Nebraska's first 24 plays, which is uh, an incredible rate. I mean, if you're if you're in the backfield causing pressure at that rate, you had a good day. And they were just bringing down the tackles, bringing down the sacks. Was it? I know that the answer is both, but do you think it was more Michigan's defense has found? something as far as how it can work together, how the tackles and linebackers and ends can get involved? Or do you think Nebraska's offensive line is uh, so putrid it's not even worth reading into what Michigan did? Oh, boy. Um, You know me, like I'm always like a – I mean, I started off the podcast by saying (laughs) people want to paint things into one corner. Um, I I, I do think I tend to agree that – it might say more about Michigan's defense. Cause if I remember correctly, uh, Martinez was pretty efficient against Colorado and um, he was in on both on his feet and passing the ball. Right. And you know, Colorado's not like what they, I don't even think they are what they were a couple of years ago when they made a run in the pack 12, but they're not a, you know, they're not poop, poop you they're like, they're, <laughs> they're somewhere. In, they're a solid football team. Um, and Michigan just, you know, it was reminiscent of Penn State a couple of years ago, but Penn State, this, you know, Nebraska is not going to make that late run that Penn State did that year, you know. Um, they don't have a Saquon coming, Barkley to do it. Right. Yeah. You remember coming out of that game about thinking about, you know, at that Michigan beat Penn State so badly that year that they were already called. They were starting to call for James Franklin's job at that point. I mean, that's how badly that game. That's how right. badly Michigan won that game. And um, so, I you know I do. I think it says more about Michigan's defense. I think the interior of the defensive line. I think they have a good. I think they have a starting two in Kemp and Monet. Uh, I think Solomon will probably be a factor when he's healthy as well. But I think for now, I think those are the two guys you ride with. I think Kemp's emergence has been one of the better news, like better pieces of news that the Michigan's gotten all year. I think it was imperative for them to get a guy in the middle that could play. And I think he looks like he could be it. Mm -hmm. And uh, also too, you know, I think it's time to give Josh Metellus some credit. Uh, I think he's played, you know, He's, he made the two mistakes. He made the targeting against Notre Dame and then the penalty against Western Michigan. Otherwise, I think he's been really, really good this year for them. Uh, I love how it's like everyone has an opinion 
Like it, it's it's interesting because it like it seems like it's like back and forth, or depending on who I talk to or or who's commenting on on Twitter or on the message board. It's like it is so funny how it's like half the maybe not half anymore, but it's like half the people are like ah, Mattelis can't stop screwing up, and then and then the other half is like. Yeah, other than those two screw ups, he's excellent. Like it's just it's funny how it's he's right. he's such no, a divisive player. Not has, not by anything he did, but just by uh, fanhood what they see. Well, I think he's completely separated himself now. You know, Hawkins showed some flashes, but I think has a little bit of learning to do. I think Josh has kind of taken that job back and run with it. Uh, you know, I, I think he's been really, really good for them in both both sides of the ball coverage and in, in the run game. I think he's been excellent. I know against, you know, he had the, obviously the pick six against SMU. He's kind of a guy who's like labeled or like is, is whatever big play he made good or bad is what, what people more than any player I can remember, hmm. uh, you know, cause obviously everyone loved him after the pick six against SMU, but he also, there were a couple plays, uh, perfect downfield coverage. And he's also been setting the edge uh, very, very well in the run game and, and forcing, backs uh back into Devin Bush Jr. Gary those guys you know up front so uh you know props to him I think he's really kind of answered the bell I think a lot of people I think suspected he would maybe not have that job you know I know he struggled a little bit against Ohio State last year well we listed and, it uh, as, as a position battle yeah no well I think it I think it may have been I mean I don't think that's facetious to say that it was oh yeah I'm just but, saying like he wasn't right. like far from concrete right. Right. Yeah. So I think he's kind of answered whatever they the phrase the light went on. Um, <laughs> yeah. No. But you know what I'm saying though. I think he's, I think he's playing. I'll just say he's playing better football than he ever has at Michigan right now. So that's fair. And, uh, I think that's I think that's that's very important for Michigan because I think they they do. We we've talked about it a billion times. They put so much pressure on their safeties defensively. Um, I think he's been great. You know, a late push out of bounds against Western Michigan of all teams isn't really going to change my opinion on that. Um, so, so yeah, I think, I think it's, you know, they have a lot of guys playing at a high level and then obviously Devin Bush jr. Who's pretty good going, going to end his career at Michigan at some point in the conversation is maybe the best linebacker they've had. So, um, and he's again, another guy, those are plays that I don't care if you're playing Nebraska or who you're playing, like a, bad Nebraska team or whatever, those are plays that are all American type plays against any team in the country, mm. you know, and uh, people hope fans like really relish their opportunity to watch him play because it, it's, he's one of the more exciting defensive players to come through uh, this program in a really long time. It is. I almost want to do like a story on taking some of his tackles and doing like a freeze frame thing where you pause it and I mean yeah and it's his, like this guy where do you think this guy should be tackled and you'll yeah. say like the 28 and it's like he's tackled at the 21 and and like there was that one play the screenplay Nebraska had three blockers who were like starting to form a line and he literally ran right next to all of them like in a straight line to go tackle the running back for like a four or five yard loss. It was like their entire play was dependent on the fact that someone could not beat the angle like that. And yeah. it was just, it was just crazy. Uh, and, and then there was the other one where it was like the running back had lots of room and 
Devin Bush didn't even have the angle. And he was able to just go through because he was just legitimately several steps faster than the running back. Yep. Yeah. So so anyway, that might be a <laughs> that might be a funny a funny thing if he if he does it again. You're right. You're right. You know, like Ohio State has faster running backs and and probably faster offensive line, but it's it's not gonna it's not that fast. Right. You know, he is he is something else and <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah, as you said, you 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 hope fans appreciate him before he's gone because there's I can't fathom he would be around for a fourth year the way he's playing. I mean, he looks like a first round they, draft I pick. Fans, I think he's, I, and that wasn't implying that fans haven't appreciated him. I think it's pretty clear. You know, oh no, I was just saying you hope that. Right, yeah. right. That, that he's, you know, I think it's most for most it's pretty clear how special of a player he is. You know, so yeah, uh, leader. Hey, yeah, too. So. Voted captain over, well, I guess it's not worth n- noting who he's voted over. Anyone could do some Googling and figure yeah. that one out. But he was a surprise to me as captain, uh, but obviously that was a player-voted honor. So he's doing right. he's doing a lot right in practice as well. Uh, to close up our Nebraska discussion, and this isn't really a question I have for you. I just wanted to pass this on. I got a DM from George Richards III, who is a producer at SEC Network, and he's – as a result, he's been able to be kind of where in the clubhouses of some uh, SEC teams. And he wanted to pass this on because, like, you and I are the big special teams truthers, big special mm-hmm. team stands. And there's a poster in South Carolina's uh, facilities, and it's like a football field. And it's the, the big words are battle for field position, and it's like a touchdown thing. And it talks about like where your drive starts and what the odds you you have of scoring points or scoring touchdowns are. So like if you get the ball inside the twenty, you have a ten percent chance to score points on your drive. If you get the ball inside the ten, it's like a three percent chance. And then it's up to thirteen, twenty eight, forty. I'm sorry, thirty, twenty eight, twenty nine. 33, 58, 75, 78, and 90. You score touchdowns 90% of the time if you start with the ball on the opponent's 10-yard line. So so it's and, – and then there was another one where I think it's Auburn. Uh, oh, no, it's also South Carolina. The, they have like a five, the plan to win. So the things you have to win, uh, one is the ball, two is ex, uh, explosive plays, three is field position – Four is the red zone. Five is the fourth quarter. Sure. So, so when I think when Michigan won the national championship, I think there was a uh, in the locker room they had a uh, they had like their schedule, and then they had, it was like a it was like a what do you like a chart, and each each week and it was sort of similar and field position and turnovers were the top two. Yeah. You know, and like so they would they'd get the team would get a helmet. Sort of like a helmet sticker on a on a like a board. Okay. You know, every week if they won that battle, and if they didn't, you know, and like, yeah, I mean, I, I'd I'd say this. I think Michigan, if Will Hart continues to punt the ball, <sighs> what like did he, he do? Like, yeah. how does anyone improve by fifty? And and I'm sure the cold weather will kind of, uh, right. maybe maybe kill it a little bit, and there's a regression to the mean, but like. 15 yard improvement year to year. Yeah. 
unreal. If he continues, if he continues to punt at like an all conference level, which is where he's absolutely at right now, I honestly I think Michigan goes at least goes three and one in their Big Four game. Wow, that's my that's that that's the thing. Their their defense is good enough. Um. Again, like you just, you know, you basically rattled off those percentages. And I would argue with a defense as talented as Michigan's, those percentages are probably lower mm-hmm. the, the, you know, where, where you're starting. And then, so if they can keep, you know. Well, didn't we do the math the yesterday, bacon. last week? Like right. if he's punting 13 yards more than he did last year, that's like four more plays teams have to succeed on to – to beat Michigan, to score on Michigan. Right. Yeah. Right. The makeup of this team is night and day compared to last year. Last year they had they were they lost field position constantly. They had poor quarterback play. Bad in the red zone, bad on third downs. Yes. And so and 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 even with that there was what maybe there was one game on the schedule that you could argue was was a game that they had, would not have been able to win or didn't have multiple chances to win, you know? And, mm-hmm. like, it feels like they've reversed a lot of those super important deficiencies from last year, you know? And, like, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, we, we go back to Michigan State. I can uh, hear the prove it on the fields right oh, now. Oh, <laughs> I know. I get it. And again, it may, it, you know, maybe it all – I'm saying if they it, – it, the odds of them, like, winning three or four of those games if they continue to succeed at the levels they have in these categories uh i think are probably a lot higher than people think they are just because you know and like i said the progression we've seen offensively which i will say because i think i saw i don't know what i saw but this is on my mind so i will say it i think the idea that michigan choked in the big games last year because like people say like Harbaugh can't win the big games. Um, they didn't, they honestly, they overachieved in three out of those four big games last year. You know, it's just the Penn State that they didn't come to play. Cause, yeah, I mean, I'm with you, you know, like. Well, Ohio like, State, again, you, if you, if you, if you, if you start your argument by saying Harbaugh can't win, Harbaugh can't win the big games, and then you turn on the film from Michigan, Ohio State. Coaching, play calling was right. probably not even in the top ten reasons why they did not win that game. Last no, they year. vastly I mean, overachieved. That they outcoached Ohio State, in my opinion. I don't even think it's just that the discrepancy in talent, particularly at quarterback and on the offensive line, was night and day. Yeah, and that's what made that. That's totally what decided the game. Yeah. So we you shall know, see. So. What yeah. it means, right? Because they they still got they got to do it this weekend. Then yep. I assume Maryland will be similar to the Nebraska game, perhaps a closer game because Maryland seems like they're better. Although they're all over the place, I'm not sure what to make of them. Yeah, but I agree. but you know we'll see what's applicable. But I do think the special teams, the the team kind of taking this physical identity because you know every game last year, like I'm thinking like Cincinnati Air Force. It's like you never – I don't think anyone walked away from those games like, yeah, Michigan really physically stuck it to them, executed at a high level. You know, the hard work is paying off. You know, I I don't 
I, I guess I'd have to go back and like read what my actual takes on those games were, but I, I remember it being a lot about like, oh, they made a lot of mistakes, but they won. You know, it was kind of, right. so it seems like there's fewer mistakes. Penalties are are one area where they rank low. Like I think of like all those like uh, things that matter in terms of winning, turnover margin, third downs, fourth downs, red zones. Uh, seems like they've really got a couple red zone recipes. That That's, I, I think I did the stat they have, scored uh, 136 points on 25 trips into opponent territory in the last three weeks. That never happened, no matter who they were playing last year. That that was never a rate that they were scoring at. It it just wasn't a thing. Uh, and so, so, yeah, I mean, penalties are like the one that they're worse at. Yeah. But yeah. also, you know. Which is important. That's important, too, though. I mean, that's always, penalties are always, penalties and injuries are the two ultimate wild cards. Yeah, in any given game on any given Saturday, in my opinion. So, so we'll see. Yeah, I mean, awful. maybe maybe they're smarter about it. I I, I do think it is. Uh, Michigan fans can probably appreciate that the penalties are almost exclusively on the defense. You know, sure. so it's not like you're not stepping on your own toes. You're you're stepping on someone else's toes when you're not supposed to. Like you know, like like do you take a pass interference on what probably would have been a 25 yard pickup? Maybe. Right. You know, do you take a holding when it was probably going to be a big gain? Whereas, like, the offense false starting when it's got first and goal at the six, you know, that can that can kill a drive. And I don't know. I, I guess you're right. It is a big deal. And 119th is 119th. But I'm curious to see how that, how that changes. Anyway, we will talk about Michigan Northwestern in just a moment. But I do want to get to our, our one recruiting question. This one comes from JD. And JD asks... Where is Michigan at with the remaining five-star targets on the board? And I think I know all of them off the top of my head because we've talked about them a few times. But obviously, uh, recruiting changes throughout the year. But there's there's Zach Harrison. There's Correct. George Karlaftis. There's Quavaris Crouch. Correct. Uh, there's Kyle Ford, who I don't know if he's composite five-star, but he is on our books. Yep. Um, there is – oh, there's it. one more. Oh, no, is that it? Yeah, who are you thinking? Uh, is there somebody else? Maybe there's someone else we have ranked as a five star. I, don't I think can so, I can look it up, but but with those four, no, Cena is not a five star. Okay, uh, it's those four guys. Okay, well, those are the four. I mean, you know, Michigan's already got two five stars. I don't have they had three five stars in a class before. I don't. I mean, it's been a long time. I'll I'll look that up too. Um, I don't know any any notable news about any of the four and, and I guess where did they stand with with all of them notable I mean I don't know uh I mean really with a lot of these guys it's still sort of the status quo uh, Harrison uh Michigan Ohio State Penn State uh I believe he'll be in Happy Valley for that matchup on Saturday as any prospect who's being recruited by those two schools should be right uh, <laughs> I, I would be there yeah um so Close to the vest. Uh, definitely still, still think Michigan's in it, uh, but we'll see. You know, it's still the same deal. Mom definitely appears to favor Ohio State. Will that be the ultimate factor? I, I don't really know. It kind of seems like a kid who would do his own thing, but, um, you know, we'll have to see. Crouch, well, we can just stick with the defensive line. Karlaftis, yeah, I mean, that's – there's obviously Michigan – there's still dialogue there. Um you know, it's just what what's going to happen with Purdue. 
you know, they they're one and three, but they could easily be four and oh right now. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how they, which kind of for them stinks because their schedule is not going to get any easier. No, yeah, they're right? they're so only they projected to, get, to beat Illinois and Nebraska the rest of the way. Right, and so it might be a rough season for them. And uh, if it is, you know, there feels like there's a lot of moving parts there. Uh, I know there've been the rumors about Jeff Brome and Louisville. Well, see, I thought I I I have a former colleague that covers Louisville. I, I texted him in like December. I'm like, now I don't think Petrino's got it. I think they should hire Brome right now while it makes the most sense. So I don't know. I I think that's a match made in heaven because he's not just like a former player, former quarterback. It's like his dad played there. If I'm not mistaken, his grandpa played there. His brother played there. I mean, it was like from Louisville, born and raised in Louisville, has never left like the – 400 mile radius of louisville <laughs> like it's yeah no that's and that's where you know it's 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 a deal where it's like it almost just kind of feels like michigan's gonna be in a good spot there because there, he's definitely still listening to michigan mm-hmm. um, now did he take he took a visit to usc now he it says he did i don't even never know if he made the visit or not I oh okay check. so he do has you not taken an official to michigan yet but i suspect that he will. Are you of the belief that Michigan is next in line if it's not Purdue? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they've been on him forever. They've been on him way longer and way harder than anybody else besides Purdue. I mean, most of the crystal balls at the beginning were all Michigan for him. He was on campus a few times. Um, I think it was more the idea that people actually didn't think he would actually choose Purdue. Um, okay. You know, that's that was kind of the deal there. So, Are they recruiting his I, brother? Because he has, he has a brother that's 2020? Uh, oh, yeah. He's a stud, too. 2021, I think. Oh, okay. Yanni. Sure. Yanni. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, Laurel, yeah, he's going to be a big... Yeah, he's going to be a big <laughs> time, too. Um, so, Mich- and Michigan, I believe, is one of the first to offer him. So, yeah, they've done all the right things there. And, yeah, I mean, it does. I think it comes down to Brome. And, uh, you know, I don't think Purdue having a bad year is going to stop Louisville if they decide to move on from Petrino. Um, and Louisville doesn't look like they're going to win many games this year either. They look uh, like they're worse than Purdue. Yeah, I mean, they don't. They don't look good at all. So uh, so I have a know. question with yeah. Karlaftis. If Purdue is 4-8 and eight and yep. Louisville, let's say they don't bite. Let's say they keep Petrino for another year. And I think he sticks. Okay. Okay, so it's not like championship contention. It's a Brome thing. I, I just, I don't know. He's from West Lafayette. Um, Legacy, right? I, I, I'm assuming so. Okay. I, I don't know. But he, uh, you know, it's like second year. Um, I don't know, though. Again, you, these losses will start to pile up. And maybe it changes. I just suspect that I think he would have to leave. Um, but the way things are p- playing out, you know, you go 4-8 and eight your second year at Purdue – you got Frost at Nebraska. You're always going to have Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan to deal with. You know, you're the hometown hero at Louisville. Could just make that make that move. Um, you know, I, I don't know. So we'll see. But yeah, weirdly, yeah, I definitely think Michigan's that second team there, though. I've thought that for a long time. How about Crouch? Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, was, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, Michigan, Tennessee, Alabama. Um, again, 
nationally. I don't think Michigan's getting enough credit here. Doesn't mean he's going to Michigan. Just think Michigan's right in it. He likes the idea of playing on both sides of the ball. Tennessee is stinks. Uh, I can't see the Vols doing themselves any favors with the product they're going to put out there this year. Um, and like, that's where these schools are like really having a hard time. Like you notice like, so two schools that made coaching changes, let's say like in the last four or five years that really never missed a beat were Ohio state. They had the one subpar year under fickle, but they were still loaded talent wise and Kirby smart at Georgia, you know, cause Mark Richt recruited so well, mm-hmm. Mark Richt was winning almost 10 games a year and it wasn't good enough. <laughs> um, well, but you know, looking back, I mean, it's, it's starting to look like Kirby Smart was definitely the right hire there. I mean, I, I'm not. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Well, but Rick always seemed to let the team down or let right, the fan exactly. base down. Yeah. Right. So, um, and that's the common threat. So you got these, these schools like Tennessee uh, who have made bad hire after bad hire. Uh, it's really hard to get out of that. I mean, Michigan's had to learn that to an extent. Uh, it's really hard to get out of that perpetual cycle of crap because some of these staffs like didn't even really recruit that well. So like Pruitt comes into a deal where there's like a, there's a bare cupboard and then you got champions to try of to life do, in that cupboard though. Right. Yeah. You have to try to play the whole, you know, you can be the guy that can bring us back. And then these guys aren't stupid because they'll watch the team on the field and they say, it's going to take a lot more than me to bring this program back to where it should be, you know, like, um, and so that's why that that's why you see like I you know like schools like like I said like Tennessee and you know I think Florida gets there with Dan Mullen because I like Dan Mullen I think he's a good coach but there are those programs that you know keep making these hires and again maybe Pruitt does turn around at Tennessee I just think it's not going to be easy like Tennessee is in a similar deal to me I think they're in a similar situation to like a well like a Purdue or in Illinois, they're not as bad as those teams are. But no. when you're yeah. talking, yeah, but when you're rel- rel- maybe relative to where Alabama and Auburn and Georgia and LSU, like relative to where those programs are, where Tennessee is right now, it's going to take time, you know? And so that's the problem. You have to hit on some of these, on some of these recruits with, because the elite guys at the end of the year, the, the, the allure to win championships, is is gonna it's gonna grow as the season goes on, and that's why you never count out Alabama for get a kid like Crouch, you know. And that's why I can see people already saying, "Oh, I bet I bet Alabama ends up getting him." I think they could. I would say Michigan and Tennessee are definitely ahead of Alabama right now, um, you know. And so Michigan's got a chance if they win some of their big games. I actually think Michigan could get him. Uh, you know, he's been up. This will be his third time when he comes up for the official which is pretty significant for a kid out of Charlotte. Well, he's and got if, all the SEC and ACC after him. So, And if I'm not mistaken, he's had – well, there was that one visit where he stayed like three extra days because he was just having yeah. a good time yeah. and, and really connecting with the team, not just like kicking it like a vacation. But yeah. And then there was the other visit that seemed to go really, really well. Yeah, I mean, the quotes that – his first visit, he said it was his best college visit. Now, I don't know if he's had a better one since then. It's very possible, but he'd said that it was the, he had already been to Clemson. He'd already been to Bama. He'd already been to probably, I believe, Tennessee, probably 
Uh, he'd definitely been in North and South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, so, and I think again, him staying twice as long as he was supposed to, right, or not supposed yeah. to, but as initially planned. I think that's. I mean, you know how it is. If you are somewhere and you want to stay longer, that mean usually means you had a great time. Right. So. So. Yeah. His quotes about Michigan definitely make it sound like he wants to see them win. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You know, Anna, was, Anna Hickey of our Clemson affiliate did a, you know, because he's one of those that at this point in the process, you, you have to go see him to get, yeah, like, legitimate quotes. And so she went and saw him. And, uh, yeah, he gave a really refreshing, honest interview. And, I mean, I don't know if, if you read that interview not thinking Michigan was either number one or number two, uh, you know, I don't really know what you were reading. Uh, but, yeah, I agree. You know, and that's this is where, you know, he's talking about playing on both sides of the ball. And, you know, he, I mean, he flat out said, you know, Clemson hasn't proven him. Clemson, he's just using it as an example. But I can't imagine it's got to apply to other programs, you know, haven't proven to me that they'll actually do it. You know, he's like, Michigan's got, did it with Jabril Peppers and got him to the Heisman ceremony. And then they can show him the same with Ambry Thomas so far this year, you know. And um, I have so, this quote on Michigan if you want to. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, go ahead. He said, there's a lot about Michigan, the network, the alumni, Jordan, the power of the M. Harbaugh, I think Harbaugh will be there for a long time, but the only con about it is he's got to win. He's got to beat Ohio State and Michigan State, beat those people up there. I feel comfortable around the coaching staff, and I've been around the players, and I feel like there's a lot of positives with life after football. I'm going to major in business, and they have a good business program. They're recruiting me for athlete, too. So, And I think there were other like general quotes that he said about other schools. Uh, you know, I'm playing running back and linebacker at college. I feel like I won't know what position I want to play until I get there and feel comfortable, and the coaches help me figure it out. Uh, so, you know, he said, you never know those. Like, Jabril Peppers played defense, but he came in on a package for offense. That wouldn't be bad. Clemson has talked to me some about that, but I'm looking at history, and they can't show me anything where they've done right. that. Uh, you look at Michigan, they've done it before, and so they won't be iffy or shy about doing it. So right. I thought the quotes about Michigan, I mean, that was – <laughs> again, about as clear as day. He likes the staff. He trusts the players and staff. It was less than a month ago, too. Yeah, he likes old. He likes Michigan. He just wants Harbaugh to be the winning program, I guess. So, right. yeah. Yeah, which, again, that's so, like you can say, I said you can read between the lines there and think that Alabama might end up being a factor here, you know. And so, um, but as things stand now, like I said, I would say that Tennessee and Michigan are ahead of them and are – uh, and again, I think Michigan's in a much better than position than Tennessee to impress him on the field, right? So, um, you know, these guys, it's a four, it's for some of these, like these elite five star guys, you know, for some of these guys, they look at it as a three year decision. Yeah. You know, it's like, and that's the thing is like, you see, you, you know, Tennessee telling him, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, they're, they're really, really bad this year. How much better are they going to be next year? You know, it's like, how much could I really win playing there in three years? No matter what, on one hand, they're telling me you'll start day one and we'll get you into the pros in three years. And then on the other hand, they're probably telling him, you know, we want to win championships. And he's like, well, I probably have a much higher chance of doing both somewhere else right now. You know, maybe if I was a 20, a 2021 kid, maybe I would be more apt to listening to what, you know, or you know what I mean? Buying into the, yeah. but Tennessee just specifically just seems to have such a long ways to go. Um, right, you can't buy the uh, what the five year or the the what was it Anastas, the Michigan State hockey coach, the nine year rebuild. Um, yeah, like that's a that's one of the worst things you could ever say <laughs> when you're trying to recruit people yeah. to play your program. Like that's that's like that's recruiting. Like you know, it's not good. 
By the way, uh, Crouch is like the funniest. I think he's one of the funniest quotes out there. I mean, he was like, I'm not going to lie. I don't text all the coaches back all the time. They might get aggravated or angry at me, but I just see the text and sometimes I don't reply. Like, he's just like so blunt about everything. (laughs) Those are the best guys to talk to, though. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Which, again, so, you know, for people that read these recruiting articles and stuff out there, like, when you get a guy that's blunt like that, you can take what he says more at face value than a guy who says, mm-hmm. I'm enjoying the process. I, yeah, I want to go to engineering yeah. school and my final two are Michigan and Alabama, you know, like, um, and academics is going to be a big role in my commitment. And then they go to Alabama, for instance, you know, so, um, if anybody probably read between the lines on that one. So, yeah. So how about, how about Kyle Ford? Right. That one, we just make it short. I, I kind of feel like Michigan's a long shot there. Yeah. Um, I know, I think Washington picked up a crystal ball after his official. Uh, he's from Southern California, which means I think he's going to USC until he commits somewhere else. Um, it's usually how this works. It's always the same. The kids never hear from SC early in the process. Then all of a sudden SC picks it up late and they always end up signing with USC. I mean, it, I can't tell you how many times now he might be different because he doesn't go to Sarah or LB Poly or Bosco or one of those programs. But, you know, cause that's the, that's kind of been the theme throughout Ford's recruitment is that he would say that, uh, you know, I'm not really hearing from USC that much. You know, I'm listening to a lot of other schools though, blah, blah, blah yet there's 25 crystal ball predictions. Every single one of them is for USC. I mean, it's people have read, they've seen this story before, right? So um, supposed to come up for an official. We'll see if that changes anything. I think it could, but I mean, it always could, but I don't know of the four guys that we just talked about. I think he's their lowest chance of the four for sure. So who's the highest you think? Oh boy. That's a good one. Cause I, I, I mean, I, I think I just I think they're in the top two at least for the other three. That's the thing, you know. Yeah. I mean, you could argue that Crouch is probably the guy I think I would maybe say they do lead for. Okay. But but I think he might be the one that takes the longest. You know, because Harrison's a guy I feel like could decide at any minute. <laughs> and not at any minute, I shouldn't say it that strongly because he is going to a game this weekend. But I think he's a guy that's just going to make when he's ready to decide, he's going to decide. He's not a theatrics guy. He's not going to do it on signing day. I'd be very, oh, I'd be really, really surprised if he did. Yeah. And then with Carlathis, you kind of have to, I think you're going to have to wait out the season to see how Purdue does and see what happens with Brome, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I almost say Harrison. I really would actually, like, just because. Um, Harrison then Crouch. When is he visiting? See, see Wisconsin week as well. Harrison. Yeah. Nothing decided yet. There. Oh, okay. Okay. So well, because he's yeah he's visiting Penn I, State this weekend. I suspect. You know, I think he. Had, I don't know. There was a report that he said he wasn't going to do any visits this year. That's never the way it's been told to me. Uh, it's always told to me that he may take visits or that he would like to take visits to the other to those three programs again. I believe he saw a game at Ohio State too. I could be wrong. Um but you know, I suspect he'll be back on campus. You know, I could be yeah, Wisconsin, Penn State, probably the two natural chances there or whatever. But <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'd say Harrison number one. And then after that, I mean I think it's Crouch slash Carlaftis. I think those are okay. all the same. And then Ford. 
Gotcha. All right. Hopefully we don't get asked about those four for a while, right? I mean, I don't anticipate anything changing with any of the four anytime soon. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, I, well, that was more of a joke because it seemed like in the summer when we'd ask for questions, every week we'd get one on Carlaftis, one on. Well, we didn't get asked about Crouch and Ford too much, but Harrison, Hill, yeah. So anyway, uh, let's talk Michigan Northwestern, and to do so, let's let's start with the over unders, see how much we can cover about the team and the matchup and what we think is going to happen, and then if there's more that we want to say afterward, we can do that. Uh, but Neil, via Azul, on our message board, sends over-unders every week. He started keeping score. You currently hold a 12-10 to 10 lead. I think that's over the past two weeks, maybe maybe past three. But anyway, starting off, 39.5 yards for Shays longest completion so does he get a 40 yard completion uh i do think northwestern has some pass coverage deficiencies they have two uh new starters at safety having to replace two guys who were all big 10 in that mix one of the one of the top three all big 10 teams uh they have to replace them plus they have a true freshman starting at one of the cornerback positions however it is very hard for me to just sit here and predict that Michigan's going to get a 40-yard completion, so I will say under. Over. Okay. Four and a half runs of 10 yards or more. I actually feel very good about that, especially assuming Higdon is healthy. Uh, seems like, I don't know how exactly how many they had last week. I guess that might be a good thing to research in saying this, but I'll... I'll say over. I think I think they I think they gain what they need to gain and I think they're going to lead for most of the game so they're probably going to have like a 40 plus yard or 40 plus carry game in the run, running attack. Over. There we go. Seven and a half combined receptions for Donovan Peoples-Jones, Nico Collins, Oliver Martin. Seems like well I can pull up how many receptions they have but that seems like a Kind of a low over-under, over, right? Over. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Diamond Peoples-Jones, I think, alone has, um, like, what? Uh, I don't know if he's quite at 20. Anyway, here we go. They have, Peoples-Jones has 15. Collins has 7. Martin has 6. So 28. Oh, they're averaging 7 per game. I, I think they get over. Probably what he, he probably did the math there. Oh, that's probably where that number came from. <laughs> that's probably very true. <laughs> I think they get eight. I, I think. I, I agree. Yeah, as I said, you know, freshman cornerback. Someone, one of the they're guarding one of those two guys, Nico Collins and Donovan Peoples Jones. Um, plus, I do think there's something to be said. Like they still want to build those up. Like they know exactly what they're getting out of Grant Perry, and they probably feel good about what they're getting about out of Sean McCune and Zach Gentry probably still want to push, push these three a little bit, see what you can get out of them. So I will say over as well. Uh, 0.5 touchdowns for Ben Mason. I say over. Seems like go back well again. Yeah. Yeah. That, that seems to work. It seems like they've got something cooking there. Uh, I like it a lot. Six minutes to go sooner or later than six minutes to go in the game that McCaffrey enters. I'll say sooner because I I do expect this to be a game that's 
Uh, hmm. I'll say later. Yeah, I might switch to later. Because against SMU, they didn't at all. Or they did, like, what, the last series? So I will say... I will say later. Uh, switching to the other side of the ball, 99 and a half yards rushing allowed. We talked about this before the show. Without Jeremy Larkin, they the other running backs that Northwestern have have 11 net rushing yards. I think it's even if you take away the sacks, it's like 47 rushing yards on 30 attempts. So I'm going to say under. I and and they also are second nationally in passing attempts per game at 50.2. So I'm going to say under. I don't think they get 100 yards rushing. I agree. 24 and a half completions by Northwestern quarterbacks. So I mentioned they throw 50 times a game and that was before they lost Jeremy Larkin to a to an unfortunate medical retirement. So I'm going to guess I I mean, you know, maybe maybe they don't do it because Michigan just stops it so much. But I'm going to guess that they throw at least 50 times, and I'm going to guess that they throw more than 50 by enough to get 25 completions. I agree. I think they do it. It feels like Northwestern's kind of always been a dink and dunk sort of team. So I think, yeah, I think over. Uh, Chase Winovich, two and a half tackles for loss. Over. I will say under because uh, that's uncommon to get th- – oh, I guess he's averaging two and a half. Uh, but I think Northwestern's – like he's doing the math here. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Northwestern's – I think they've got a, a plus. One plus that they have is their offensive line. Uh, it did not show against Akron, but that was because they had two uh, players in their fourth year of starting that were out for that game. Um, and now they're back. So I think I think they'll be okay. They have a pretty good sack rate. Thirtieth uh, nationally in tackles for loss allowed. So um, three and a half different players with a sack. I same reason I just said. I think under. I I mean they might get four sacks because Northwestern throws the ball so much. I don't know if it's going to be some sort of free for all deal. I think it might be you know three players combined for four or something like that. Under. Okay. I agree. I think we're mostly in agreement so far. Yeah, 35%. I'm going to keep my lead. <laughs> so yeah. I'm just going to agree with you. Yeah, run one. out the clock. I'm kidding. 3.5% uh, third down conversions. I don't know what Michigan's allowing. I'm going to say under. I'm sure he's done the math. I think they do better than average. Northwestern's a little bit better on third downs than, like, say, Nebraska was, but uh, I still think... I think this is going to be a game where Michigan's defense looks very good, especially Slightly over. You saying over? Slightly. Yep. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I say without the second dimension of the offense, I don't think they get there. Uh, and that was all of them. Steve, I know you got to get going, but uh, do you have a final final thoughts? Final thoughts for this for this game, and and then also a score prediction as well. Um, yeah, I mean, Lem losing Larkin, I think lost, you know, eliminated any chance they have. I don't, I don't know if Tommy Doles is healthy up front. Uh, okay. On the offensive line right now either. And so, so he's, he's definitely, you know, one of their, he's one of their guys in their fourth year of starting. Yeah. 
good kid too. Tommy Doles, man, from Grand Rapids, Michigan. He was a, a true pleasure to cover him in high school. Legitimately one of the two or three nicest prospects I've ever covered since I've been doing this. Oh, okay. So, good for go. him. Too bad. Too kind of disappointed I won't get to see him play uh, for Northwestern this weekend. I, right, I believe he's out. Is that for sure? So I tried to look it up, and, and one site said they're both back because they're, they're other, oh, they're other okay. linemen. Well, good for him. I hope he's healthy. Um, but either way, uh, you know, I think without Larkin, I think that eliminated any chance Northwestern had. I just think Michigan's – yeah, I agree with you. I think Michigan's defense will feast again. And uh, I think it would be like a 38-17 to 17 or 38-14. to 14. I think they might score a junk touchdown late or something. But I do. I do, I do think this is another blowout. Mm-hmm. Which is nice if you're Michigan because at the beginning of the year this kind of looked like one of those like daunting like trap crap yeah type games you know well where, like, you know, I mean teams lose Big Ten games on the road you know sure. Michigan State when they went to the playoff lost at Nebraska uh, you know I I don't think there has been a Big Ten champion that didn't suffer a loss I guess Ohio State last year did they lose I thought they. I don't know. Uh, anyway, Iowa. They, they lost to Iowa. Oh, right, that's right. So Iowa destroyed them <laughs> in Kinnick. In Kinnick, right? Course, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean that's what I mean. Like you know, teams teams are gonna drop stuff. So any any time it it can be easier is is beneficial to you because you know Michigan Michigan's got enough tough games on their schedule. They'll probably take any blowout they can get. So you're saying thirty eight fourteen? Yeah. So for me. I, I'm pretty much with you. I think, I think it's going to be, for some reason, I just have a feeling it's going to be more of a gradual game for Michigan. Like I don't think they're going to be up twenty-one nothing after one quarter or or, or thirty nothing at halftime. I I could be wrong. You know, it happened a lot in 2016, and we we talked about this team looks like a 2016 team, but I I just have a feeling that it's going to be a little bit more gradual, a little bit more methodical. Uh, Northwestern's not going to, they're not as dysfunctional as some of the other teams on the schedule. And so, you know, as far as they, they, they're fine in the red zone, they're fine on third downs. They're 10th nationally in fewest penalties. They, they are good at not making self-inflicted mistakes. Now, I don't know if they're, again, I don't know if they're going to, you know, hang around as in make it a real game, but I, I think that it will be tougher sledding for Michigan's offense to pull away. I do think they pull away, though. Uh, I'm guessing they're going to lean on the running game. I thought last week was kind of the Shea Patterson game because uh, Nebraska supposedly had a good run defense. I thought wrong. Uh, and and I do think, I mean, I think Michigan's going to keep, as Steve kind of mentioned, they're going to keep running the ball because, one, it works. Two, you know, it's more consistent in, in these kind of games. And, and three, they probably feel good about what they got from the passing game. So so anyway, uh, I'm going to say Michigan 34, Northwest, Northwestern 13. So those are our predictions. Uh, feel free to chime in with yours in the comments. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. And we will see you next time. <laughs>